0: Today, we celebrate our 37th year here at Solid Rock Baptist Church. There's so many things that could be said. Oh my, how God has truly blessed this place. I'm truly thankful for those of you who have been faithful down through the years. I'm thankful for those who are no longer here, but God used to get us here. I'm thankful for those who call me friend, and I'm thankful for those who call me an enemy. They've motivated me to pray when I didn't want to. I'm thankful for those who, have, who never asked for advice. and I'm thankful for those who ask for advice. There's a lot of things I could be thankful for, and I am so very, very thankful for what God is doing and allowing me to be a part of it. In my heart, though, how to share with you, how do we keep going in a world that's getting crazier by the day? Just not long ago, a man and uh, young man walked into a church. The pastor got up and brought a, a a sermon. and when he got done, the young man pulled a gun and shot nine him reloading his gun five times, senseless. So how do we keep going in the midst of this kind of craziness around us? Well, I believe God gives us an answer with the early church. Three words. And they continued steadfastly. J. Vernon McGee said this, The spiritual fingerprints of the visible church is those who continue steadfastly. This morning, with the help of God, Let me share with you a few things. My prayer is that we here at Sally Drop Baptist Church, we here could be continue and be steadfast in doing. May I say number one, may we continue steadfastly in doctrine. The Bible says in chapter 2, verse 42, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles doctrine. Now that word doctrine simply means a set of beliefs or a set of standards held and taught by the church. The mark of a true church of God is not the height of the steeple, not whether the pulpit's in the middle or on the center or on the side. Not is not important. A, a lot of things we look at church and Consider it to be important, but the most important thing for a church is that it stays faithful to the doctrine of the Word of God. Amen. God has given us a book, and He's told us how we ought to conduct the house of God, how what ought to be preached. And one of the things that the apostles did, they continued steadfastly In the apostles' doctrine. I mean, this is the birth of the church. They knew nothing, they didn't have a complete Bible as we have now. And so they the only doctrine they knew was what they learned from the apostles. And he said they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. May we never lose sight of this blessed old book. Amen. I know it's not popular today. I know there's a lot of people trying to uh, change the Bible and going into this version and that version. I, I've heard all the arguments. Praise God for this old King James Bible that we have. And may we never move from it. As a matter of fact, the day we do then our doctrine starts going downhill. All oh, those who have been faithful down through the years to stand by this book, not only that we believe it to be the Word of God, but may it be a doctrine that we live by as well. This morning, let me just share with you just a, a couple of doctrines that we need to hold on to. Number one, we need to hold on to the doctrine of salvation, Ephesians two four. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherein he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ by grace. are ye are saved and raised us up together and made us sit in together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Then in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and kindness toward us uh, through Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith and not of your works, lest any man should boast. May we hold on to the fact of the Lord's salvation. A lot of people are looking to go to heaven for a whole lot of reasons. Some believe Well, I do good, preacher. I do good. I'm good to my neighbor. I'm good to people around me. And surely, God will let me go to heaven. Uh, Some people have the idea. As one woman told me one time, she said, well, preacher, uh, I I can go to the post office up here and I can go around this way or I can take a, a left turn and go around that way But no matter how I go, I end up at the post office. I said, well, ma'am, that's okay, but heaven ain't the post office. And Jesus said, he's the way, the truth, and the life. And if any man gets to heaven, it's going to be through and by him. And if you're not saved by the blood, if you have never seen yourself as a lost Hellbound sinner and knew a Savior and trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. I'm sorry, you're not going. Your name on His church roll will not get you into heaven. Your good works will not get you into heaven. No matter what we do, it takes the blood of Jesus. Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. Without Christ, you are guilty of your sins and you stand accountable to God for those sins. You say, but you don't know. There's no understanding about it. That's a doctrine of salvation. And it's through and by Jesus Christ through and by Jesus Christ. And apart from him, there'll be no one in earth. The Bible says in the last days, many will say, Lord, Lord, did I not cast out devils in thy name? Do many mighty works in thy name? He's going to say, depart from me, ye workers of iniquity. I never knew you. Let me just get right real graveyard honest. If Jesus has moved in and changed your heart, he'll change you on the outside. You'll be different. You'll treat others different. I stand amazed at how we treat others sometimes. I I, I stand amazed how we treat people and and uh, and and the wickedness. Sometimes people who claim to know Christ and just wicked in their dealings and and, uh, my, and, and sometimes they push people away from the house of God instead bring them to the house of God. They shove them away. Oh, this morning we need to get to continue, continue steadfastly. It's no day to be wishy-washy. It's no time to be wobbly. It's time for us to be continue steadfastly in the doctrine of salvation. Number two, in the doctrine of the Scripture. 2 of Peter 1.19, We have also a more sure word of prophecy where until you do well that you take heed, as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn, and the day start rising in your hearts. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. Can I say this? Let me help you. God ain't showed you something, he ain't done showed somebody else. There's no new truth. It's all been here for years. God ain't showed you anything he ain't showed somebody else. I'll not preach anything that somebody else has not already preached. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of men, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. This is a God-breathed book. It's not, it's different than any book you'll ever read. It's God-breathed book. And book he's given to an English-speaking people. We need to continue steadfastly, steadfastly in doctrine. Notice with me number two. We need to continue steadfastly in devotion. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. Their dedication to their devotion was shown in two ways. Number one, it was shown in their fellowship. Now that word fellowship has two main meanings. It means this, a partnership and participation. Solid Rock Baptist Church would not be here have people simply been spectators and not participants? Let me hide your attention for just a little bit. Nobody talks to me, preacher. Nobody comes and talks to me. I want to ask you a question How much do you talk to them? How much do you participate? And what's going on around here? You cannot, you can I'm amazed at this. I'm, it astounds me. It astounds me. At the number of people that want to stand at a distance and then complain that nobody will come and get close. I hate to tell you this, but the same, it's the same distance from them to you as you to them. If you want to get close, learn to participate. Get involved. Had we had a church, praise God we didn't, but if we had a church of spectators, this church would not be here. We've had down through the years a whole slew of people that are being participants they didn't talk about it. They participated. They, they filled their place. They, they, they helped. They, they was honest with God. They tithed. They paid the bill, helped pay the bills. They, they, they made this building possible to be here. They made it possible for us to walk over to a fellowship hall. I remember a day when we had to go to a, a, another building and have things. Now all we got to do is walk through a breezeway. I, I, I tell you, it, it's going to really, Like uh, brother Tom, it's going to really be deep. I don't know if you'll get this or not. But some people really believe that this just happened. Just poof. Abracadabra. Poof, and it all, all showed up. No, it didn't. Somebody participated. Somebody had their part. Somebody filled the role. Somebody done what they could to help build this church. And the reason you have a church today, and let me say this can I help you look up this way now? Don't be a hobo Christian. Does everybody know what a hobo is? Yeah. Want something for nothing? Don't be a hobo Christian. Boy, I love camp meeting. I'll never forget one day over there and this, this fella, and as far as I know, he may have contributed thousands of dollars to it. I don't know if he did or not. But I know one thing. He was always the first in line when it comes time to eat. And he come out there and he, he called Brother Steve in the bathroom and he said, Brother Steve, you got to do better than that old stringy chicken you're feeding us. And I love this. Brother Steve, I, 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 and he helped me. Because I went to say, how's he going to react to this? He said, well, was there some gravy there? He said, yeah. He said, do you have a biscuit? He said, yeah. He said, well, put that biscuit in the gravy and just eat that. That's good. By the way, it wasn't chicken, it was turkey. See, the reality is they showed their, were shown in their fellowship by their partnership and participation. Number two, they did it in the second way, communication and communion. They talk to one another. Bible says, 1 John 3, 14. Now, don't you listen to this verse. It may tell on some of you here tonight, this morning. It may show you where you're at. We know. We know that we have passed from death and alive. Why? Because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Bible says if you're saved, our brethren is sitting right around you now. At four o'clock, about five, we'll go out in the fellowship and eat. You say, well, I don't like being around that people. Are you saved? Have you passed from death to life? Because the Bible, now we believe the Bible, don't we? Amen. Amen. The Bible says how we know you passed from death to life because we love the brethren. You like to be around God's crowd and God's people. I love this. Sometimes we come to get out we don't come to get in. You hear what I'm saying? Yeah. Too many times we come to get out, we don't come to get in. He said we're not. The Bible says in Romans 12, 18, and if it be possible as much as life in you, live peaceably with all men. He said as much as possible. Down through the years, we've had people come and people go. I'm tell you something. I've never had. I've never had a person leave because we didn't preach the word of God. Even this early church, they didn't have people leaving. They didn't have people getting mad because of the preaching. In Acts chapter 6, verse 1, those days when the number of the disciples were multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because those widows were neglected in the daily ministration. The Grecians were the Greek-speaking Jews, and the the, uh, Hebrews were the Jews that lived in the area. And they said, you're not taking care of uh, the widows in our church. And, and, And the complaint was, not the preaching, but the complaint was, was how they was treated. And I'm glad they didn't blow up, throw in, blow out. So i will go to find me another church. I'm glad they didn't do that. Probably the reason, because they hurt another church. But they didn't. They come to the apostles, and apostles handled it by appointing deacons. Let me give you three things. Conflicts, and by the way, by the way, now everybody look up here now. I'm preaching. Look at me. I'm, there's three or four in your house. Ain't be two in your house? And you can't get along all the time? How do you think we're going to put 100, 100 plus people in this building and they get along all the time? Truth is, There'll be conflicts. There'll be different uh, different opinions. May I say it does three things. It's opportunity for us to examine our ministry and discover what changes we need to make. Well, last year, I think it was we had so many babies in the nursery we, we we had to look at it. We had to change, so we so we created another nursery. and And for long, it looks like we may be going back to that anyway. So the idea is opportunity to change. I don't want to be so set in stone that, that we can help people. We don't want to be willing to change. And we're not going to change the fundamentals of the church, but the church is always growing and changing if it's a growing church. Pastor, it's just changed. What did you expect it to do? Did you expect it to stay the same way? only thing that stays the same is that which is dead. Second, gives us the opportunity to exercise our faith, not only in the Lord, but also in each other. Best people you'll know is sitting around you today. We ought to believe good about people, not about bad about them. It's an opportunity for express our love. Be kind, affectionate one to another with brotherly love in honoring, oh, don't miss this, preferring one another. It means this, you care about the person sitting across from you when you think about yourself. It's amazing. Their devotion was shown in their fellowship. Second, it was shown in their breaking of bread. Breaking of bread refers to a regular meal. But you need to understand something. How many has heard the statement? Well, bless God, John, not eating in church. How many has heard that statement? First of all, they have no idea what that means. And they, they take it out of context. Here's what it means. The Bible says this. Let me read to you what it says. If any man hunger, let him eat at home that ye come not together into condemnation, and the rest I will set in order when I come. Let me show you what's happening. They met together for a meal. Before they took the meal, every day, they took communion. They took communion. And here's what's happening. The meal was coming more important than the communion. They was lifting up the meal together and not the communion. You know the bread and the wine representing the body and the blood of Jesus? What we do? And the Lord said... Hey, you got this thing backwards. If you're hungry, eat at home. He said, "I don't mind the meal." He said, "I don't mind what you're putting before the meal. You're you you you're you're downgrading." As a matter of fact, I read one article. They had literally gotten to where they was combining the, the communion with their meal. In other words, they get their cup of wine representing the blood, and then they got them a piece of chicken. Then they got the bread, then they got them some bread. Said so they was combining them together. And the Lord said, no, 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 they be separate. See, we need to realize what it said. Then thirdly, they continued steadfastly in their dedication. And they continued steadfastly. If I, if you miss everything I've said, I don't want you to miss this. Because it is the one thing that would determine if Solid Rock Baptist Church is still a church in twenty years. They continue steadfastly in their dedication. I'm alarmed I'm alarmed at the lack of commitment just old fashioned commitment and dedication to those under 30 years of age I didn't stutter let me say it again I'm astounded I'm astounded at the lack of commitment and dedication of those, a generation under 30 years of age. It's scary. It's scary. If we don't get If we don't get a generation that's dedicated, that's committed, church will cease from being in 25 years. That won't be church. You say, why? Because the commitment and the dedication will be too old to do anything to help or gone. And it'll be your generation. Those of you under 30 years of age. To pick up the mantle. To pick the baton up. And carry it forth. That includes Solid Rock Baptist Church. And let me help you. If you if, if you get been up, been up, ah, God, I, I ain't come Sunday night know you get been out of shape over that now when it's your time to pick up the baton you'll throw it back down because if it's not important now it won't be important later my generation. It's touched a generation. But your generation is going to touch a generation. I said this when I started pastoring. And I'll be some... I'm, I'm just dogmatic about it. I'll say it again. You don't love your children. You do not love your children if you won't get them dedicated committed to the things of God all you'll do is raise a child that'll go to hell one day and it'll be your fault preacher that's tough yes it is serious business serious business there's people all over this building today you can't reach your children because you play church your children are uninterested in it because they watched your life. Oh, I know there's some young people rebellious as a devil. I know that. Had good parents, but rebellious. I know that. But There's a whole slew of them because mom and dad thought it was more fun to do this and to do that and do this and do that. And they would like commitment and dedication. See, what happens is this. Notice number eight. They were was not dedicated to their position. Your child's loving God, serving God is in your hands. You're accountable until they, they become age of accountability. If it's not important to you, it won't be important to them because of their position. Notice. Notice, first thing these apostles did was to get the order right. We are so out of order in this country. It's, it's scary. The apostles said, murmuring complaining, said, it's not reason that we should leave the Word of God and serve tables. He said, wherefore? Brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honesty, report for the Holy Ghost and wisdom whom we may appoint over this business that we may give ourselves uh, continually to prayer to the ministry of the word. They got the order right. Got to get the order right. And we fail to get the order right. Then we destroy the whole. Got to get the order right. Boy, when Satan went to bring destruction to mankind. Did you notice what he went? He went against divine order. you ever notice he didn't talk to Adam? He talked to Eve. Why didn't he go to Adam? Adam's divine order. God first, pure marriage, your husband, wife, children. It's God's order. It's not mine. You destroy the order. You don't realize what you have destroyed. You've destroyed so much. Satan wouldn't destroy. Number 16, Korah attacked divine order. They gathered themselves together against Moses, against Aaron, and said unto them, You take too much upon your sin. All the congregation are holy. My goodness, Moses had exploded. All the congregation is holy. Wow. See, when it gets divine order, unless you think God was pleased, he swallowed, he opened up the earth and swallowed that whole crowd. He wasn't pleased at all. May I say, we be first, continue steadfastly in dedication with our position. If God has given you a place and a position. First of all, you owe God, and you owe that position to give it its very best. They shouldn't have to ask the question, where's the teacher today? Where's the teacher? They shouldn't have to ask that question. Just like they shouldn't have to ask, where's the deacons today? Where's the pastor today? Shouldn't have to ask that question. Then they were dedicated, don't miss this, they were dedicated to praying. Prayers found 313 times in 307 verses. One of the Lord's greatest attributes was He prayed. And when He sent them away, He departed to the mountain to pray. Oh, may we continue steadfastly in prayer. May we not lose the most awesome power you and I wield is the power to talk to God in prayer. It is the greatest thing, the greatest asset that we have. I stand, I stand in utter amazement how God, Can I help you? Would you let me help you? Before you run to everybody else, before you try to figure everything else done, won't you fall on your face and ask a holy God what he would have you to do? Here's the problem. He'd probably tell us, but we didn't make up our mind what we're going to do. And so it don't make no difference what he says. We're going to do it anyway. Or oh, worship. We do something. God bless it. Then we get mad at God when he doesn't bless it. But we didn't ask him to begin with. Oh, we do well. We do well to go to him first and say, Lord, what do you think about this? People say, I, I don't know if I can pray. Can you talk to your wife? Can you talk to somebody else? Can you talk to anybody? If you can talk to anybody, you can pray. You can pray. Oh, I love it. Oh, Charles Adam Spurgeon said, all the Christian virtues are locked up in the word prayer. Martin Luther said, it's the business of tailors to make clothes and cobblers to mend shoes. So it's the business of Christians to pray. Andrew Murray said, Beware in your prayer above everything of limiting God, not only by unbelief, but by fancying that you know what he can do. A.W. Tozer said this Our prayers are as powerful as our lives. In the long form, we pray only as well as we live. I like that one. Prayer is not getting what you want. But what he knows we need. God ain't a magic wand. Prayer's not a magic wand. Prayer's not an abracadabra magic wand. Prayer is going to God. First of all, say, God, is your will? God, I I have this. Can I help you? Well, if everybody look at me right now. I'll give you a little secret. If you'll start your praying by thanking Him and praising Him for His greatness, if you'll start by thanking Him for what He's already done for you, you'll be a long way down the road of getting what you need. Are you listening? Some of us just pray about what we want. Give me, give me, give me. You're not doing nothing but high-level begging. What you ought to do is go to God and tell Him how wonderful He is. I preached Friday night, and I had a tremendous amount of notice. But in chapter number one, Job, the devil said, God, you blessed him. He serves you because you blessed him. You know what God done? By the way, don't you listen to me carefully? God might do it to you one day. God said, okay, you can have all the blessings. And Satan took everything that God blessed him with. God took every possession that he blessed him with. Everyone. God took those children that he blessed him. Hold it. Time out. God didn't take anything from Job. Because there was no jobs to begin with. Just like them children, you think's yours, they're not yours. You mean getting a stewardship? They're God's. As ever life belongs to God. Your blessings, God just give them to you. Stewardship. God said, Satan, take them all. And he did. But when Job stepped out behind the curtain, In chapter 38, he gave Job something. I would to God, some of you get. He said, Job, when he stepped out behind that curtain, he said, Job, I'm not going to give you... He said, Satan took all your blessings. I allowed it. But now, I'm going to give you the blessed sir. Job got the blessed sir.
1: Now, I ain't
0: getting with... Job got the blessed sir. Yes. Then God later on doubled the blessings. But before he got the blessings, got all the blessings to be taken so Job could see the blessed sir. Yes. That ain't getting with you. Some of you are not You're looking at me like a deer in the headlight. I, uh, Lord, I'm combining two sermons here. It's in my heart. The reality is I want you to see Him. If you see Him instead of all the, what you're seeing around you it'll change your life forever. Some of you are consumed with the blessings of what's around you. My house, my car, and all this, My money. Hey, by the way it's not yours! You're getting yourself! Never has been. See, that's the problem you think it is. But if you ever saw him, you ever saw him, and the way you see him is when you begin to pray and tell him how wonderful he is. He likes to hear how wonderful he is. It's amazing what he does. It's amazing what he does. Maybe we we'll be dedicated. I was in California. I was in California. And at the close of, the, of, that, of that conference, men give us five principles. Let me give you these quickly because I want to be done exactly at 12. Five principles. Sometimes good people disagree. Are you listening? Sometimes good people disagree. Number two, learn to deal with issues without assigning motives. Quit trying to judge somebody's motives. Well, I can read people, I can preach, I can read people. No, you can't! Unless you see in their heart. No, you can't. No, you can't. You're kidding yourself. No, you can't. You're trying to judge motives, and you can't. Because you're going to miss it more times than you ever know. Because you see, you don't give facts. You just see what you see. Learn to deal with issues without signing motives. Seek to minimize our differences and maximize a common love for Jesus. Can I say this? We all differ. We all differ. Some of you don't like peach cobbler. I happen to love this stuff. Some of you don't like ice cream. You like cake. We're all different. Amen. We're all different. Why not we just seek to minimize the differences and maximize the common love of Jesus. Never forbid new things, but filter them through. what we're, Why are we doing this? Never forbid new things, but filter them through. with Why are we doing this? And In times of conflict, we must commit ourselves to what God knows and not what people believe. Can I help you? We need to commit ourselves to what God knows, not what people believe. If you always look into people to be to to build you up, to pump you up, to do this, to do that, or people that you have an expectation of, you are going to be disappointed. But if you, if you, if you can do this. If you can rely on what God knows, it'll change your life. May it be said, a solid rock Baptist church, they continued steadfastly. Not wobbling, not wishy-washy, not up and down. Some of you, some of you need to settle Some of you need to get an old-fashioned Holy Ghost commitment and dedication. To the church, Pastor. No, not to the church. To God. Then you'll be dedicated to the church. To tithing. God forbid. To God. Then the tithing becomes natural. Whatever you do, if you get dedicated, committed to Him, all the rest of it take care of itself. Let's all stand to our feet. Every head bowed, every eye closed. This morning, may it be said. I want to ask you a question. Every head bowed, every eye closed. He's going to sing here in just a moment.